Welcome to the B'nai International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for tuning in today. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Be sure to visit our website, b'nai like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. I'm joined today by Sienna Gergenti, the Assistant Director for the International Center for Human Rights and Public Policy, and the director of the Cuban Jewish Relief Project at B'nai B'rith. In her roles here at B'nai B'rith, Sienna manages programs and organizational advocacy on Latin American affairs, including missions to Cuba, and supports a range of international and domestic policy priorities. In this podcast, Sienna and I will discuss B'nai B'rith's work in the region, including recent disaster relief efforts in Cuba, the upcoming Summit of the Americas, and reflections on regional UN votes. Sienna, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Dan. Well, before we get started, and we talked about the Cuba Jewish Relief Project, I think, and we've done this before on a previous podcast, but it would be good if we did it again. What is the Cuban Jewish Relief Project? When did it come into existence, and what does it do? So the B'nai B'rith Cuban Jewish Relief Project is a program that uh, was founded out of one of the B'nai B'rith lodges based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the early 90s. And it was born out of this opening uh, from the Cuban side uh, for outside assistance. So after the fall of the Soviet Union in the early 90s, Cuba started opening up, but the situation on the ground was still very tenuous. So our community went in to support the local Jewish community, uh, help rebuild uh, and reconnect them to their Jewish roots. And so for about 25 years now, B'nai B'rith has been going down, leading missions uh, in support of the Jewish community and carrying down uh, goods, donations, um, medicines, foodstuffs for the community uh, to support their livelihoods. And when we talk about the community, it really is communities. I mean, the largest uh, part of the community is in Havana. But tell us a little about, they're all over the island, as I understand. There are. There are five synagogues across Cuba. Um, obviously, the, the largest concentration, as you mentioned, is based in Havana. Uh, there are three synagogues there. Um, and then there are pockets of communities uh, throughout the rest of the island. So in, in some of the central provinces, uh, as far east as Guantanamo. Um, and estimates range today as far as how many members of the community are left. Um, anywhere from about 900 to 1,500 members of the community. And when these missions have gone to Cuba, what, what do they do when they, they get there in terms of interacting with the community? Our programs usually include a, a portion of our time will be spent in Havana, um, and then we'll, we'll usually try to include at least one other community outside in, in one of the other provinces in our program. So we will spend time going to the different uh, visiting with the different congregations and the different synagogues uh, and engaging with local members of the community one-on-one, -on -one, hearing from leadership as far as what activities and programs uh, they, they maintain uh, for their congregants and, and what their needs are. Um, and we will try and in always include a uh, Shabbat program and meal with one of the local communities. So let's bring it all the way up to last September, October, uh, it was a, a bad year for natural disasters, hurricanes, 
Uh, Puerto Rico was hit very hard. Our own coastline was hit very hard, and and Cuba as well. Um, the community being there uh, was uh, hit by this too. Um, what was the state of the community and their neighbors following Hurricane Irma last September? So Hurricane Irma was the first Category 5 hurricane to hit, make landfall in Cuba since 1932. Um, so it was a, a really kind of tremendous event for them. Um, across across the island, uh, they experienced rolling blackouts, lack of running water and gas, um, and a, a lot of just general um, chaos. You know, there were uh, no medicines to be had. Um, there was no food to be had. Um, now, the community themselves suffered pretty minimal um, damage. The synagogues did take in a little bit of water in Havana, um, but but broadly speaking, they were okay. The largest impact was to um, a, a, a lot of property was damaged, uh, both for, you know, individual members of the community and their neighbors, um, and then, of course, access to clean water, food, medicines, and the like uh, proved and continues to prove somewhat challenging. And how did B'nai B'rith contribute to the recovery? So for B'nai B'rith's part, we sent down 50,000 water purification tablets. Uh, we partnered with our own disaster relief uh, efforts here at B'nai B'rith uh, in order to, to do that. And we also contributed emergency funds to the B'nai B'rith Lodge in Havana. Um, and all of those efforts went towards providing kind of immediate, meeting the immediate needs of the community following the hurricane. Well, we uh, read a lot about uh, the situation in, in Puerto Rico today, and I, I should add parenthetically that B'nai B'rith also participated in, in that uh, recovery effort. Um, but what is the current status of the recovery efforts in Cuba? Um, everything is back to normal in, in the community? Far from it. Unfortunately, um, what I'm hearing from our partners on the ground is that they continue to live in a crisis really without any precedent. Uh, uh, Basically, what we've seen since the hurricanes this past fall has been a slow, uh, a slowing of different groups and, and visitors like our own missions going in uh, and supporting the community. And so um, with some of the U.S. domestic regulatory changes, um, you know, visits slowed, um, which definitely, you know, negatively impacted the flow of medicines uh, and all of the types of goods that we would bring down with our groups. Um, so while there have been a handful of other specifically Jewish organizations along with our own supporting the recovery efforts um, and obviously others kind of cast more broadly, um, they're still struggling to get the medications that they need um, and, and really move forward. And while the blackouts and um, you know water and gas those those are no longer large issues on uh, on that the community is facing. Um, you know they're still dealing with a large housing crisis um, without materials to rebuild after the damage from the hurricanes. Uh, the administration introduced some um, regulatory changes in terms of travel uh, to to Cuba, uh, and, and you've mentioned how it. Um, it has affected um, groups visiting. Um, what's the um, 
the long-term prognosis uh, for, for that? As far as the travel is concerned, you know, for our part... Because our, our travel had been um, done with... Uh, uh, through the Treasury Department, I believe, and you had to have a license. Explain That's a little right. about that, maybe. That's right. So, you know, for 20-plus years, Benebrith has operated on either a religious or humanitarian license in the early years, and that was from the U.S. government. That was, as you mentioned, from the U.S. Department of Treasury. And in the early days, those licenses required an application and lawyers and, uh, you know, it was a big production. Um, since the Obama administration, um, there have been changes to the uh, travel restrictions, and so we're no longer required to apply. We're eligible to travel under a general license, um, and that, for our purposes, has not changed with uh, any of the uh, changes that came with the, the Trump administration. And the... Uh some of the issues that have arisen since then in terms of uh, our State Department diplomats, our embassy personnel, and the uh, uh, sonic waves uh, issue, that has impacted, I'm sure, um, travel as well, has it not? It certainly has. You know, um, that on top of the kind of crisis following the damage from the hurricanes certainly discouraged a lot of visitors. So while there are no shortage of tourists that are traveling to Cuba. Um, missions like ours with a humanitarian lens that go down for the express purposes of supporting local communities um, has has slowed and, and certainly, um, I would say, have been impacted by fears of the sonic attacks. Well, now let's step back. Let's look at the broader picture, uh, not just of the region, the Caribbean region, uh, but uh, Latin America, put more broadly, B'nai B'rith is an organization that since the 1930s has um, a, a very strong and broad presence uh, throughout Latin America. Um, and uh, we've been very active in terms of uh, our relations uh, with the Jewish communities in, in many countries in Latin America, but also uh, on the public diplomacy front, uh, active as well. And coming up just very soon, we have two major gatherings uh, which affect the region, will affect the region. One is the Eighth Summit of the Americas, which will be held in Lima, Peru. And that's uh, followed by the uh, OAS um, annual uh, plenary meeting. So let's talk first about the Summit of the Americas. Benebrith will be present. And what happens at a Summit of the Americas? So the Summit is really um, kind of an institutionalized mechanism that occurs every three years um, as a multidimensional way to um, kind of bring together leadership from the region um, to discuss common policy issues, um, to affirm shared values, and really commit to concerted actions at the national and regional level. So it's it's really a multidimensional forum uh, with the express aim of kind of strengthening democracy and governance in the Americas. Um, this year, the Eighth Summit will be tackling the theme of democratic governance against corruption. And our role uh, as an NGO, as a non-governmental organization, uh, which on the, on the sidelines, uh, what, what will we be doing? 
B'nai B'rith um, was actually the first Jewish organization accredited at the OS some 20 years ago. Um, and so we engage um, throughout you know, the calendar year and specifically at these kind of major forums um, to represent our interests in the region. So our agenda at the OAS is broadly always addressed issues including discrimination and, and anti-Semitism, issues of terrorism, uh, and broad human rights issues in the region. So um, this year at the summit, much like years past, um, we began the process for uh, civil society organization engagement early last year. Um, And all of the civil society organizations and social actors that will be participating in the summit uh, have kind of self-identified into different coalitions on on different different subject matters. Um, and, and where will we be? We typically fall in the in the human rights camp. So as far as uh, our participation at the summit in in Lima this year, um, the agenda itself will include a formal dialogue between social actors and heads of state. And then, of course, we will, as we do with with all of our meetings, take meetings on the side with heads of delegation to advocate on a number of those issues. Now, the summit. It doesn't happen every year because, if I recall correctly, the first summit actually occurred during the Clinton administration. So this is probably every every couple of years. But at the beginning, I remember for NGOs like ourselves, there really wasn't any kind of, of role. Um, in fact, I think at the first one or the second one, uh, it was impossible for NGOs even to, to attend. Now, that's changed, I gather, from what you're saying. On the other hand, the Organization of American States annual meeting uh, very much um, welcomes uh, the participation and involvement of of NGOs. Absolutely. I would say broadly over my time, uh, you know, liaising with the OAS, they have made a concerted effort to engage civil society more systematically. Uh, It's something that... um, organizations and social actors like ourselves have advocated for for a long time uh, as an important part of the dialogue engaging on these issues. So, um, you know, we're pleased to see that the OAS is taking these concerns seriously and and really making a, a great effort to include us in both the summit process and their general assemblies. And the OAS plenary will be held where? So the OAS General Assembly will be held in Washington, D.C. this year, and that is in June. Now to a third and final area uh, relating to the Western Hemisphere. Uh, It seems that there has been an evolution uh, on voting at the United Nations on issues affecting Israel uh, by some countries in Latin America. Let's talk a little about that. Sure. So there, there certainly has uh, been a bit of an evolution on on UN votes vis-a-vis Israel, um, particularly looking at the uh, Trump administration decision regarding Jerusalem to move the capital, uh, move our embassy to Jerusalem and recognize it as Israel's capital, um, which uh, certainly made waves in uh, you know the media circuit. But when it came to to UN votes. Um, we did see kind of a warming trend across the region, um, very, very notably um, 
two countries in particular, uh, both Guatemala and Honduras, voted against this this measure that was put before the General Assembly to condemn the U.S. for its decision. Uh, so Guatemala and Honduras voted against that measure, and, and there were trends certainly seen uh, you know, within CARICOM, uh, we saw Jamaica for the for the first time uh, abstaining. CARICOM being CARICOM being the Caribbean Association of, of Nations. Um, so Jamaica, very notable. Mexico as well for the first time abstaining on this measure, um, and, and others that uh, really have consistently voted for um, the anti-Israel measures that come up at the UN again and again. Well, let's hope that it, uh, it is the beginning of a trend and that um, there are some course corrections Absolutely. Uh, because some of these votes have been so lopsided and so biased against Israel uh, that this is uh, this last vote, uh, even with the countries that abstain. Of course, we always prefer that they would vote against a measure like this. But uh, we know sometimes how to read abstentions. Sometimes there are abstentions and sometimes there are more than that. And uh, we hope that that, um, that trend will, will continue. Well, Sienna, thank you uh, for joining us today. We will revisit these subjects uh, probably after you get back from the summit and from the um, uh, General Assembly of the OAS, uh, which will be coming up uh, in a few months. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast today. Please visit our website, benebreth.org. Like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about us. For my guest, Sienna Gergenti, I'm Dan Mariashin. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. Podcast.